This is the Academic Survival Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Chandra McDonald. Statistics show that approximately 40% of students drop out of college every year. In fact, nearly 30% drop out their first year. Well, I am on a mission to improve these stats. So missed my cycle again. So I ended up going home to go to the doctor on Saturday. Went home, got a test, and it came back positive. I'm pregnant. So now I have to go home and tell my mom, hey, I'm pregnant. During this episode, I speak with Dana Spencer. She shares her personal story as a college student who became pregnant. She faced many hurdles during her academic career, yet never wavered from her goal to complete her degree. And today, Dana's in the real estate industry and she coaches first-time homebuyers. And in this episode, we talk about financial freedom through real estate as well as house hacking. So to all you college and university students, it's not too early to start thinking about real estate. Join me with Coach Dana Spencer on Academic Survival. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the Academic Survival Podcast. Well, hello there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So, um, yeah, thank you. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your story. I went to Eastern Kentucky University, which is in Richmond, Kentucky. My major was accounting. And to be completely honest, I struggled throughout um my major being accounting. So when you're taking your business courses, you have the variety of marketing and finance and all these different classes. And so I got an A in marketing and I got an A in finance and nothing in my mind said, change your major to one of those. So when I started (laughs) my accounting classes, man, like I said, I was struggling. Accounting was my mother's dream. My mother never went to college, but she said, well, I like numbers and that was true. So she was like, why not go into accounting? So I was like, okay, I'll go into accounting. But when I started hitting those upper level accounting classes, it was definitely a struggle. Wow. Did you, um, did you have to get assistance like, uh, academic assistance, like tutoring or anything like that? Well, I probably should have. There was one class that I just, I just could not pass. So I ended up dropping it a couple of times and then I took, um, a class over the summer at the University of Louisville. And that was super hard. And I was able to get in with a group with other accounting majors that were able to help me through that class. But it was, like I said, it, it was extremely hard. And hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. I definitely should have changed my major to marketing because I love marketing or even finance. So just a plug for your your listeners, if you're in those upper level classes and it's a constant struggle, meet with a counselor or get some assistance to know if you should stick it out or if potentially you should change your major. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. So um, the reason why I wanted you to come on the show is because you had a very, um, I won't even say it's its unique experience, but it's just not an experience that every college person is going to have. And that is, while you were in college, um, you ended up getting pregnant. 
So I wanted to hear about that story and like, did you stay fully enrolled as a student or did the pregnancy cause you to, you know, take, have to take a break or um, like, what was the hardest part of being pregnant while you were in college? And, and like, did you get support from your family and friends? So those are just some of the questions that um, actually came in from another student who wanted to, wanted to know. So how would you uh, start on any one of them? So I guess the first one is, did you stay fully enrolled as a student or did you have to take some time off? No, I actually I did stay fully enrolled. So um, just to back up with the with at Eastern Kentucky University, you were able to walk in the spring or in the fall. And so my goal was to finish college in four years and it was going to take me four and a half. And so but I was determined to finish and walk in December. And so I had to take a summer class in order to do that. I'm taking the summer class and I get the phone call that my favorite aunt has passed away and I was just devastated. So I ended up coming home. And when I came home, I was, I was so upset. Like I needed somebody's shoulder to cry on. And so I caught up the friend, which is my son's father. I caught up a friend cause I couldn't find anybody and I just needed to cry on someone's shoulders. So I called him up. He let me cry on his shoulder. The funeral was in Virginia. I ended up going to Virginia with my sister. We went to the funeral, came back home. And then I went back to college and I was like, okay, got to finish college. Well, I came home for the weekend. He was like, oh, you're just going to let me cry on. I'm just going to let you cry on my shoulder. And that's it. So we had unprotected sex and mm. I went back to college. And then that semester, I actually had health in college as a senior. And so we're going over the health things and I'm doing the math as far as um, how long sperm can stay in your body. And I was like, uh-oh, because <laughs> it was a little bit too close for comfort. So I was <laughs> very regular on my cycle. And uh -huh. sure enough, I missed my cycle. And I was like, oh, bother. So missed my cycle again. So I ended up going home to go to the doctor on Saturday. Went home, got a test, and it came back positive. I'm pregnant. So now I have to go home and tell my mom, hey, I'm pregnant. So I can remember like it was yesterday. I went home, told my mother I had gone to the doctor and that I was pregnant. And her response was, well, I will support you in whatever your decision is. And I knew mm. at that moment she was like, I'll support you if you have the child and then I'll support you if you get an abortion. And I was of the mm -hmm. mindset, it, if I'm big enough and bad enough to have sex outside of marriage, then I'm big enough and bad enough to have this child. So I decided, I was like, no, I'm keeping my child. And then ended up going back to college to finish out. And my roommate at the time worked at Wendy's. So um, she mm -hmm. would bring me chicken sandwiches at night because obviously I was always hungry. You know, you're starving college students. <laughs> so here I am pregnant in college and I'm hungry oh. all the time. So she would bring me chicken sandwiches. And so she would get off at midnight or whatever. And I would eat the chicken sandwiches that she would bring. And I would always have a jar of pickles too, so that I could have <laughs> pickles and the chicken sandwiches. So my mom was supportive of my decision. I had um, my college roommate. She was extremely supportive. She's my godmother of my son. And mm -hmm. as far as what it was like actually being pregnant in college, it was just one of those things where I was like, you just got to do it. You have to complete college. But then once I graduated, it was like, okay, you got to get a job. I didn't have the ability or the luxury of waiting around and finding a, a role that was in accounting. Plus, I didn't like it anyway. 
So it was like, mm-hmm. you just got to get a job. So I ended up getting my, my, the, my roommate in college. Her mom was a uh, manager of a subsidized apartment complex. And so she offered me my first job outside of college. And in my mind, I was like, well, I'm doing accounts receivable. I was collecting rent at this housing project. So that's kind of how I ended up getting pregnant. And I just got to graduate. Quitting was not an option. And I was just determined that I was going to graduate college. Wow. Good for you. What was the, um, gosh, I have a lot of questions. What, what was the hardest part about being pregnant while in college? I think just being hungry, to be completely honest. And <laughs> it was early on. So I didn't have morning sickness, thank goodness, because I didn't even think about that. I didn't have any morning sickness. And okay. I lived on campus and the dorm that we stayed in was a little bit far. So I had to walk to classes just like anything else. And the mindset that I had is what really allowed me to keep going. Because Mm -hmm. like I said, I never thought about dropping out of college. I was so close. I had, you know, taken the classes that I needed. I had planned it all out. Okay, you got to take this summer class. If you do this, if you do this, you'll graduate. So, you know, getting pregnant was just another one of those obstacles that you just were, you had to overcome. Quitting was never an option. And I think that's the mindset that we need to have is that it has to work or it has to work. There was wow. no option to say, I'm going to to quit because just think if I didn't get my degree, so now I have a child and no degree. So that's going to put me even further behind. So you got to graduate and you got to push through in order to, to get this degree. So at least at the very at the very least, you'll have a college degree as well as, you know, you can navigate through getting a better job at a later time. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Can you, uh, are you comfortable talking at all about the relationship with the with the father in terms of what role oh, yeah. he played? Or, okay, so, um, so what role did he play? When you, t- walk us through that, like when you told him that you were pregnant, how, how did that go? Right, because, you know, since we were not in a relationship as such, to your point, I'm having to like track him down and tell him that I'm pregnant. And so we kind of tried to make it work, but it it just didn't. And um, he was not in college. So it was, it just didn't work out. And he, my son and his father have a better relationship now. But in terms of the flight assessment, what I understand is I'm more of the characteristic of a pilot. Mm-hmm. And I very much had the mindset that I can raise a child on my own. I don't need you to help me. So I mm-hmm. had that mindset. Whereas what I realize now is that he was more supportive that um, grounds crew in terms of him not wanting to be around such an aggressive person. So I can remember him saying, like when he would try to come visit, well, I don't like your attitude when I come visit my son. And my mind would, I'm going zero to 10. What you mean you don't like my attitude? My attitude shouldn't have anything to do with you raising your child, right? That was my mindset. But Mm -hmm. now I know that he would back away from that aggressive personality. He doesn't like confrontation. So Mm -hmm. it was more important to him not to have to deal with that confrontation. Whereas now I wasn't mature enough to realize you need to back that up and let him be a father of his child. But 
there were other things involved as well. So it, it just didn't work out. And with my dominant personality, I had the mindset that I don't need you anyway. And so I was able to, to raise my son without him. At some point, he did start paying child support. But as far as being present for my son at an early age, he wasn't really there. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and then statistically, you know, I'm thinking the statistics for a black woman raising a son in America, the odds were against us. But my mindset was I'm going to beat all of the odds. I didn't want my son to ever have this, oh, well, you know, uh, don't expect much of him because he comes from a single parent home. Like I never wanted to play the single parent card. I worked two jobs for, I know, 17 years. I was like, okay, there were specific verses that said, you know, a child left to himself causes his mother shame. I'm like, okay, I got to find a job that I can work and bring my son with me. Ooh. And so I was able to do a direct marketing business where um, I did Pamper Chef for like 17 years and my son would come with me to my cooking shows. And it was so funny because once he no longer came with me, when I would run into my house, they'd be like, how's your son? So we were a package deal. You didn't get me without getting him. So wow. that's how I looked at it in terms of I need to make some extra money. The Lord put it on my heart to put my son in Christian school. I was like, Lord, I can't afford a Christian school and you're going to have to pay for it. And he did just that. And so, you know, we just did it. Like I said, I did everything that I could so that he didn't go without and nobody ever played the single mom card for us. Wow. So, um, so you said pam pampered chef, was that, mm -hmm. what, what it's exactly is that? Tools. It's what? It's selling kitchen tools. So I oh, would okay. um, have home parties and go to people's houses and demonstrate a recipe and sell the kitchen tools. Ah, okay. So typically what would happen was, you know, we would go and do these home parties and my son would be in the spare room doing his homework or something else. And then I would be, you know, demonstrating the, the recipe and, you know, selling the product. And that was helping us to pay his way through Christian school. So I want to go back and ask you a question about, um, you, you know, your personal dreams. Like when you were in college, the dreams that you had for yourself, once you realized that you were, once you were, once you knew you were pregnant, did you in any way feel like you weren't going to, like your dreams weren't going to come true? How, how did, you know, like, how did that internally, how, how are you feeling about your trajectory um, in life in light of now I'm going to be uh, entering this post-college world with with a child and not just as, as a solo as a solo experience I think it was my grandfather because he was very much making sure that you put bread on the table and since he instilled that in me so for example I played the clarinet. He was very instrumental, no pun intended, in me playing the <laughs> clarinet because he was all about having different streams of income. Well, maybe you can play the clarinet and maybe you can play for nightclubs or whatever, just like any kind of multiple streams of income. So I believe that I had that mindset of, 
whatever I have to do in order to make this work is what I, I will do. But as far as like having specific dreams, I think since those dreams were tied to accounting, like, okay, so you're going to get this accounting degree and then you're going to sit for the CPA exam. So the beauty of it was I had no desire to do that. <laughs> so once I graduated with this accounting degree where I passed by the skin of my teeth, mm -hmm. I was, I'm not going to say I was relieved not to go into accounting because the, the mail started coming about, oh, it's time for you to sit for your CPA exam. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I didn't have the knowledge that I needed in order to pass that exam. Mm. And so I finally had to own up. And like I said, accounting was my mother's dream, a CPA, because what we know about the assessment is since my mother now I know is a grounds crew, she was just recommending something that was going to be stable for me. Accounting would have mm. been a stable career but that, that wasn't me at all. So I'm not going <laughs> to say having my son was my out, <laughs> but it almost feels that way that now, since I didn't have to be concerned about getting the, the job in the accounting major, since I have mm -hmm. this son, I got to get a job. I got to put, as Grandad said, I got to get to, I got to put bread on the table. And if that means getting this job that doesn't have anything to do with accounting for real, for real, then my dreams are just delayed. Hmm. I was very focused on raising my son that I didn't date anybody. I was laser focused because at the end of the day, when I dropped him off for college, I wanted to know that I did everything that I could with the resources that I had. I didn't want it to be, oh, well, when she started dating so-and-so, that's when her son started acting crazy. I didn't want any of that. So mm -hmm. I was very laser focused in, now that you have this child, your responsibility is to raise him to the best of your ability and whatever else will have to be delayed until now. So like now I can do whatever I was <laughs> willing. I get to do whatever I want and live my best life now. And so it just, it just worked out. I didn't feel like, oh man, I wanted to sit for that CPA exam. So honestly, it was a blessing that my account, my, my major was accounting because I didn't feel like I missed out on anything because I didn't want to pursue that anyway. Wow. That's an interest. That's a very interesting perspective. It's like, yeah. I I have the opportunity to completely do something else because I didn't want to do this anyway. Right. And so like, yeah. once again, I just wanted to caution your listeners. If what I heard, I had someone say to me, you know, what you want to do is what you would do, even if nobody paid you. And when somebody mm -hmm. told me that I was like, well, there's nothing that I'd ever want to do where I didn't get paid for. But when you find that, make sure you find that in college so that you can pursue that instead of trudging your way through accounting or whatever your major might be. Once you start getting mm -hmm. to those upper level classes and they're very, very, very hard and it's not, I mean, it should be hard to an extent, but it shouldn't just be like awful, like barely passing it. Like <laughs> how much is the curve? You know, you shouldn't have to be asking right. those questions right away. <laughs> So definitely get a counselor, get a coach, whatever they're doing this day and age to make sure that you are on the trajectory that you need to be. And this is what you're going to really love, even if you don't get paid for it, so that you can be happy in what you're doing and have joy 
instead of it just being completely frustrating for you. Yeah, you know, you are the uh, second person that I've interviewed who has this accounting story. I interviewed I interviewed uh, a guy named Blake, and he, you'll you'll hear his story. But he uh, started off um, like he his interest was like economics, and so he was interested in more of like banking, accounting kind of thing. And after his um, like when he was a freshman, at some point he realized he didn't want to do this he realized that, like that's not the future that he wanted and so he he quit well I shouldn't say he quit he left that school went to Berkeley School of Music like auditioned and went to a music school and now he's a jazz musician <laughs> no <Right>. accounting <laughs> so and 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 I know um Dr. Chandra you do the flight assessment and it's very important the flight assessment has really helped me to realize that where I landed on the spectrum of um, air traffic controller, I don't like people telling me what to do. And I'm very creative. I ask a lot of questions. And so for me to be at a desk listening to somebody tell me what to do, that's not where I thrive. So I left corporate America in March and now I've written a book and I honestly believe that I would have never written that book if I hadn't left corporate America because I didn't have the mind space to even write a book, to even know that I even like to write. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's just crazy to think and I attribute all of that to the assessment and understanding myself and being able to peel back the layers mm -hmm. because the thing that i was when you even approached me i was thinking oh i graduated college without having any debt well how did i do that i searched out all kinds of scholarships and what do you have to do when you apply for scholarships well you have to write something out i honestly don't recall not getting a scholarship that i applied for Wow. I, I didn't put it together that maybe you like to write. Never, never put that together. So now when I'm trying to peel it back, I'm like, well, maybe you might like to write grants because that's kind of the same concept. So just make sure that you keep your mind open and you're paying attention to what you really like to do because yes. success leaves clues is what we've heard. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and that that self-awareness is is really key, you know. Um, so I want you to tell us a little bit about your book. What's the, what's the name of your book? My book is called A Beginner's Guide to Financial Freedom Through Real Estate. OK. And a lady I met a lady that said that retirement is a number, not an age. OK. And the company that I was working for at the time Every so often they would have this big buyout where when you turn 55, they may offer you X amount in order to retire early. And I think I was in my forties and I remember thinking, man, if they offer that to me, I wanna be in a position to take it. And so at the time I reached out to my mortgage company to see when my, my house was gonna be paid off, my house will be paid off 
in 2027, I would be 55 in 2025. And I was thinking, okay, whatever they offer me, that should be the difference to be able to pay the rest of my house off. So in my mind, I'm getting positioned to be able to take this buyout. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up going through a mentorship program and learning how to renovate a house and go through that whole process. And I'm thinking, man, everybody needs to know about this. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I ventured off into my cousin is a publisher. I had a conversation with her, went through the Game Changers program and they brought two people back. And one of the guys said that he didn't get a speaking engagement because he didn't have a book. The other person that got the speaking engagement had a book. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm writing a book. So I didn't even have a desire to write a book, didn't even know that I like to write. So wow. I only wrote the book because when I talked to my publisher and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about a devotional, this and the other. And she was like, no, not a devotional. And so I was like, well, what about real estate? Cause you know, they say whatever people ask you questions about the most, Real mm -hmm. estate is by far the thing people ask me questions about the most. Mm -hmm. So she was like, yeah, write a book about, you know, real estate or whatever. So outlined the seven to 10 things that I wanted people to know, gave myself a deadline. Mm -hmm. She was like, here's my card. Call me when you're ready. I was like, no, I don't work like that. It was like June the 18th or other, whatever. I said, I'll have the book to you by June the 30th. So I broke it down. I'm sorry. Wrote, it was, it was June the 18th. Yeah, and you said like, you'd have it. You'd have I, the book to her by her June thirty. Yep. <laughs> wow. Right. That's so that's I divided speed out, writing. Right. <laughs> I divided out the chapters because she was like, you know, do the seven to ten things, you know, of the process. I did that, and I'm like, okay, I counted the days, and I was like, okay, write one chapter every single day, wrote a chapter every day, and I was able to have the book to her four days early. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, like I said, that's, that's writing at lightning speed. So I guess you really do have a, have a knack for writing. Well, in anything that you're laser focused about, right? Because when I have a deadline and there's clarity mm -hmm. as to what I'm trying to accomplish, then that makes it very easy. So a deadline with clarity equals execution. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, okay. So we started off talking about, um, about pregnancy and now we're on to your book and real estate. So college students and real estate, any, like, how do we merge that? Is there any, what advice then now that we're talking about real estate, um, any advice for college students, especially like the housing market is, is at least in California, it's a bit wild. <laughs> so, so what would you have, um, what, what advice would you give college students as it, as it pertains to real estate? That's a great question. And so when I think about what I've heard recently over the months that I've been listening to podcasts, mm -hmm. so I stopped listening to music and went all in on podcasts. And I learned this strategy called house hacking. Okay. And a lot of college students do it. So let's say you buy a three or four bedroom house. The you college student? One college student. Okay. And you could potentially partner with a parent or a grandparent, somebody who's got some money laying around that once you get the knowledge, they would be willing to, to let you 
you know, borrow the money until you would be able to, to give it back to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you buy a three to four bedroom house, the more bedrooms, the better. So you can imagine um, a two bedroom with a two bath or a four bedroom with a three bath is going to be better. So let's say you find a four bedroom house with three bathrooms. You live in one of the bedrooms. So that means you have three bedrooms left. Mm -hmm. So what if you use those other three bedrooms and rented those out to other students? Mm -hmm. And so basically the other students would pay enough to pay the mortgage. So let's say, for example, the mortgage was $1,500 a month mm -hmm. for this four bedroom, three bath house. I know these are not California numbers, but the rest <laughs> of the world. <laughs> We'd have to up all of this, but kind of like where I'm from, these are uh -huh. these are very legitimate numbers. In okay, other good, good, good. Because <laughs> I'm like, cause California 1500, I'm like, that might be a one bedroom condo, might be. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Right. So yeah, you'd have to do some other tweaking with the, with the mm -hmm. California numbers, but for the rest of the world. Yes, and yes. So let's say you, the mortgage was, you know, $1,500. You got three friends, you charge them 500, maybe you charge them 650 a person mm -hmm. okay, for the three bedrooms. And so now you're able to use the, the money that you're, you're getting from the other people in order to pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you're able to live virtually rent-free. So imagine now, instead of paying the institution, the 30, the $40,000 for housing, you can turn around and put that money into your own house right. and it's going to be worth more and more every year. That's called appreciation. It's going to be worth more and more and more. So then you can decide if you want to stay there or if you want to move out and get somebody else to live there. And you can decide what you want to do with the property because you have been able to leverage other people's money in order to make the payment on the mortgage. So house oh, hacking is definitely something that I did not know when I was college age that I wish mm -hmm. somebody had told me about. So that's how college students as well as um, real estate really go hand in hand. Wow. House hacking. I, um, I'm, I'm going to do some little bit of research on that. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay, Absolutely. so um, you you also mentioned um, scholarships. Like you, that there was not a scholar, that you can recall, there was not a scholarship that you applied for that you didn't also get. So any tips on um, writing uh, writing for scholarship or for scholarships or, um, or applying for scholarships? And um, were you applying for scholarships every year in order to pay tuition each year? Yes. So there were some scholarships that were reoccurring. So okay. like when I finally, when I had applied for a scholarships, when I was a senior in high school, and then once I got to EKU, then they had an office of minority affairs scholarship that I applied for. And I think I had to reapply for that every year. I got an American business women's association scholarship. And then as I got as a senior, I think they had a national organization. I applied for the national scholarship. So number one, search out scholarships in your area. Chances are in your area of study, as mm -hmm. well as your parents' employers. A lot of 
employers offer scholarships. So like my son was able to get a scholarship with my employer for four years. So definitely do your research on the scholarships that are available. And most of the time, this is where you have to kind of do the heart tug. So if you have any sort of situation, so like my mom was a single mom. So, you know, you're putting things in your scholarship application that is going to tug on someone's heart. Mm -hmm. Um, If you live in an inner city area, you know, you're throwing out statistics. You have to have the first one or two lines that are going to gas some that's going to grab someone's attention. So that's Mm -hmm. what you Mm -hmm. definitely want to do is have that attention grabber the first or two words, and then you're going to pull in some statistics. And then you're going to just um, share your heart. Like, what's your need? What is it that you want to do? And what would you not be able to do if you don't get this scholarship? Like, you basically have to Mm -hmm. let them know, if I don't get this scholarship, I'm not going to go to college. And then you can go on, I'm not going to go to college and I'm end up selling drugs and I'm going to, you know. (laughs) So you have to make sure that you you're selling the fact that you need this scholarship. And if you don't get it, you don't know where your life is going to end up. Wow. Okay. And, um, and, and then here you are graduating from college, completely debt free, huh? Yes. Yes. And so to my, if I had had debt with this child, that would have been even more pressure. So praise the Lord that that all worked out. So that once again, my focus, once I was able to graduate, from college was you got to get a job you got another math let you another mouth that you're going to have to feed and i wasn't embarrassed to get on public assistance so here i am a college college graduate and i went and applied for food stamps what well, ebt now i applied for mm-hmm. uh, medical assistance and i had the WIC vouchers where you um they had the vouchers where you can go get milk and cheese and the juicy juice and the the check cereal. So I was not mm-hmm. too proud to say, oh, I have this college, um, I have this college degree and I'm too proud to ask for help. No, if it was something that was available to me, I was applying for it that so that it could help me in our situation. I wasn't gonna sit at home like, oh, my child doesn't have any milk because I'm too proudful to you know go apply for WIC or whatever so i applied for everything that was coming to me that may have been the whole scholarship too i'm applying for scholarships i'm applying for this public <laughs> assistance like right, i'm asking right. for everything right how how long did you um how long did you remain on public assistance i think that the way it worked back then was my son was eligible for medical benefits but then I wasn't what I was covered until I had him. But Mm -hmm. then once I had my son, I think he was able to stay on for a year, but then my employer would have to pay for, for my insurance. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, um, you have really used your, um, your resourcefulness you've, and your ability to, to write, to, um, get scholarships to um, resourcefulness of getting assistance that you needed and then um, and then you're now into this uh, into real estate and have a book where you can actually walk people through the process and uh, it sounds like you have established a way to um, be basically financially free yeah so I've been able to 
since my son ended up moving out of our house, so here I am by myself in a four bedroom, two bath house. And we all know the homeless situation all across the nation. And I felt guilty even being in this big old house and it was just me. And so my mother was living in this house with my uncle with all this space. So I ended up moving in with her. And so I rent out my house and um, maybe the mortgage was like $300 and I'm able to get $1,700 worth of rent out of that. I have another property where I cash flow on this. And so I was able to get my expenses way, way, way low. And that's one of the things that I encourage you to do is keep your expenses low, keep your personal expenses low, and then that will help you to have more options. And the more options you have, then you have the freedom to do whatever it is you want to do. If that means leaving corporate America because you don't want to have a boss and you want to go and do your own thing, then that's what it looks like because, you know, my expenses are so low, I could go work at McDonald's if I wanted to in order to to pay the expenses that I have, but I'm able to, you know, get the money from my rental property in order to pay my monthly expenses. And then I get to be on podcast and do what I want to do. And that's what financial freedom looks like. Yeah. Yes. So I might have to, uh, I might have to hit you up on the, um, on the, on the property thing. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Hit you you up on that. So, um, so tell us where we can find your book and where we can find out more about, um, about real estate, specifically if a college student wanted to find out a little bit more about house hacking, like how, how would they, how can they reach you? Yeah, so I would love to, all of the colleges that are out there, um, I would love to get my book into your institution and potentially, you know, do a 12-week course, or I have an online course that I'm working on that is going to be launching in February, and um, I would love to do that for anyone. So right now, I have the pre-sales for my online course that's going to walk you through the process of how to get started investing in real estate. Um, my book is mm-hmm. also on Amazon. So a beginner's guide to financial freedom through real estate. It's available on Amazon as well. And my website is um, www.coachdanaspencer.com. So you can uh, get on my mailing list there and um, I'll reach out to you as well as feel free to uh, shoot me an email. And my email address is Spencer at gmail.com. I'm mostly active on LinkedIn and Facebook. I do have a TikTok where I'm Coach Dana Spencer, but I'm (laughs) not as active on TikTok. So would love to have some help on how to stay active on those (laughs) platforms. But, and eventually (laughs) I will have a podcast where I'll be uh, more active on YouTube. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Academic Survival Podcast today, Dana. Are there any parting words you'd like to leave with college students? Absolutely. I definitely would encourage the listeners to have the mindset of how can I? Don't have the the thought process as I can't graduate from college. Nobody in my family graduated from college. I can't finish college because I got pregnant or whatever the situation may be, transform your mindset from saying, I can't to how can I, how can Mm. I invest in real estate? 
How can I finish college? How can I do better than what my parents have done? And once you make that mindset shift, then anything becomes possible for you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This really good insight, really good advice from someone who was able to start school, pick a major, not be all that satisfied with that major, have a child, a child I think you even mentioned went off to college now and is uh, financially free, has homes and bringing in the dough. So awesome. Coach Dana Spencer, thank you for being on the Academic Survival Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. All right. Bye. That's it for today on Academic Survival. If you want to share your story on how you survived your freshman year of college, you can reach me at info at chandralmcdonald.com. We'll be back next week with more ways to survive your academic journey. Until then, happy studying.